I do want to welcome everybody tuning in online, by the way. I know we've already done that, but if I haven't met you, I'm Russ. If you're in the room and I haven't met you, still Russ. And I'd love to meet you afterwards. As you've seen, I'm not the lead pastor, but I'm on the team here. And I'm so excited to be a part of closing out this series, The Ghost. Have you loved it? I've loved this series. If you're new, we've just leaned into kind of the, can I say it this way, the spookier, more mysterious side of God and all things about the Holy Spirit. And I love the reactions. You know, Pastor Tim mentioned this last week, but we are a spiritual melting pot here at the X. So there's people in this room that don't even know what they believe, don't believe in God. So if you're here for the first time, you're like, I still don't even know where I'm at on the faith journey. Just know you are not alone. There's a ton of you in the room. Maybe I've met a lot of people since I moved from the South. I know it's a heavily Catholic area that you come from Catholic backgrounds. So when you see people like, raising their hands, you get freaked out. Um, I've talked to some people that I think are still like, you know, they, they've had their lives changed through the series, but still seem to have that kind of look on their face, like, oh no, is this the week that the snakes come out? I don't know. And I just want you to know, you don't need to be nervous at all, uh, because today is the day that the snakes come out, and we're actually gonna have the ushers come and bring baskets and pass them along, and somebody's like, what did you invite me to? I don't know what's going on, but... Today's gonna be powerful. If you've missed the series, I do wanna encourage you to go back and binge the weeks. We've talked about a lot. Pastor Tim has talked to us about the Holy Spirit. One of the roles of the Holy Spirit is that he makes God real and personal to us. We've talked about how the Holy Spirit is the way that God changes us from the inside out. It's the, God, when we fully give our lives to Jesus, puts the Spirit of God in us, and he begins to transform us. He begins to change our desires. He begins to give us new desires. And then we talked about, and this is the place where some people get freaked out, God not just wants to put the Holy Spirit in us, he wants to put the power of the person of the Holy Spirit on us to equip us, not just to do something amazing in our lives, but through our lives. And I, can I just tell you right off the bat, can I just be transparent, this topic of this series has changed my life. It, it, it's the reason why I follow Jesus today. I, I was raised in a very formal Presbyterian church with an amazing family, incredible parents, great church, but I mean a church so formal. Not, not only did you never hear about the Holy Spirit, but there was no expression. I'm pretty sure if I would have clapped in church, they would have taken me outside and executed me on the spot. And I remember, and, and no offense towards all kind of churches, but when it comes to what he talks about, about the Holy Spirit making God real to you, that's what happened to me. Long story short, my mom prayed some bold and specific prayers, and I walked into a church one day as an agnostic middle school kid, and I don't know how to really fully explain what happened. All I know is I didn't just hear about Jesus in that room, but through the presence of the Holy Spirit, I experienced Jesus in that room. And I discovered that God may not be able to be fully explained, but he can be experienced. And in that moment, everything about my life totally changed. There's been ups and downs ever since, made plenty of mistakes ever since, but can I say it this way? The moment I began to engage with the Spirit of God, it was like Jesus stepped out of the cobwebs of religion and theology and became a burning reality in my life. And the idea, and I think this is important because I don't care, maybe you're in the room and you're an atheist, or maybe you're in the room and you follow Jesus for 30 years, can we all be honest? In the faith journey, we experience disconnects, don't we? Maybe if, 
you kind of turn off by the whole religion thing. The disconnect for you is you've seen people that claim to follow Jesus, but then their lives don't look any different. And that disconnect has kind of created a distance, hasn't it? For, for me growing up, honestly, I, I, as an over-analytical kid, I wasn't gonna just follow Jesus because somebody said this is the thing to do or this is the home you were raised in. If, if God was real, then I was gonna follow Jesus. If that thing wasn't real, I wanted nothing to do with it. I was, to me, life's too short to play church and play games and go through motions. Anybody else? But then I also experienced other disconnects. You know, Pastor Tim talked about this, about you know, where Paul said, the things I don't wanna do, I do, and the things that I do, I don't wanna do. And so I still start with a disconnect of, maybe you can relate to this, I'm not who I used to be or where I used to be, but I'm not yet anywhere near where I wanna be. Anybody else? And can I tell you, after 25 years of following Jesus, which means I gave my life to Jesus when I was three, I, I still have a disconnect of, Okay, on one hand, I've experienced everything Pastor Tim's been talking about. On one hand, I have seen the Holy Spirit change me from the inside out, and I've seen him make me a new person. On one hand, I have seen, and, and it would freak some of you out if you're not used to this, but I have seen the power of God. I have literally watched miracles. I've watched God heal. I've watched God do amazing things. I've watched the reality of the Holy Spirit. So on one hand, I got that. But on the other hand, can I just be honest, I still feel the disconnect of why don't I still have more power over sin in my life? Anybody else? Am I alone in that? Why, after 25 years, when I read scripture and see the power and supernatural reality on the pages of the New Testament and then look at my life, do I still see a disconnect? Anybody else? I still wonder at times when I look at the fruit of the Holy Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control, and then I look at me? Hello, anybody else? I'm like, there's a continent disconnect of where I still need to go. Nudge your neighbor, say, that's you. That's you. I still feel that. And so I wanna go on a little journey of this disconnect, because here's what I believe. I believe that if God's real, we should live like it. I believe the whole power of the Holy Spirit is for ordinary people like you and me to live extraordinary lives. I wanna, kinda, I wanna be the kind of person that my friends that don't believe in God get around me and are convinced otherwise because of the fruit and the gift in my life. God wants to use, just tell the person beside you, God wants to use you. He wants to use ordinary people. And I, see, I think we see a great example of this in Acts chapter six, if you have your Bible with you. This is, by the way, just to kind of catch us up, you know, Pastor Tim shared the verse from Acts chapter one where Jesus told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem until you're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Church is born that day. They're empowered to be witnesses, to show people how real Jesus is. And over the next few chapters, the church is growing. People are giving their lives to Jesus. Miracles are happening. All this is amazing. And then Acts chapter six, verse one, starting here, it says this. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. So the church grew and some people complained. I know that never happens anymore. So, such an ancient, irrelevant text. 
the Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So there was injustice, there was some racism, there was some comparison. These guys are having the ministry highlighted on Instagram, and ours gets no airplay. And then it goes on, and it says, so the 12 called a meeting for all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. That's kind of jerkish. Let's be honest. And then they said this, and so brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. I don't know if you caught this, but this is so subtle and savage, what this staff member just did. This person just came up and said, you know what you guys ought to be doing more of? And this staff member said, hmm, sounds like God just put something on your heart. When are you gonna get started? Oh, and here's some uh, instructions how I think you should do it. I can imagine going, oh, I wasn't saying that I felt called. I was just saying, like, I think you guys. But I think what you're seeing here is not the staff member being a jerk. I think you're seeing for one of the first times in the New Testament a paradigm mindset shift that has to take place there that we still wrestle with today, and it's this. It's that when Jesus dreamed up, died for, and birthed the church, which is what we're all a part of now, the plan was never for a few paid professionals to do ministry. The plan was for every son and daughter of God from platform to the back row who followed Jesus to rise up into their assignment and be the hands and feet of Jesus to advance the kingdom. Tell the person beside you, say, God wants to use you. But can I tell you, here's the part that I find really weird, though. Did you see the requirements for, for being overseers of the food? He said that they're full of the Holy Spirit. What? They need to be full of the Spirit to deliver pizookies at Applebee's? Why would they need to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, and there's a few things here. We see this is actually a leadership position. They're overseeing the food. That's one thing. But here's the second thing, and this is so important. Could it be that it doesn't matter whether you're a math teacher in the room? It doesn't matter whether you're an accountant. It doesn't matter whether you're a banker. It doesn't matter whether you're a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad. The only difference between a job and a calling is the engagement and infilling and equipping and guiding of the Holy Spirit. Could it be that some of us are waiting for jobs that fill more purpose when God is waiting for us to bring more purpose to our jobs? Could it be that the way we change the world is not for there to be a few more people do this professionally, but for stay-at-home moms and dads and accountants and math teachers and young CEOs and entrepreneurs to say wherever I'm at right now is a mission field and I need the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit not just to walk into the job and endure another day, but to walk in as a carrier of the greatest news on the planet. And when I do that, can I tell you, if you wanna put a working title on this, just write this, how to make life exciting. Life goes from mundane to miraculous when we enter our day-to-day -day world looking for, dependent on, and being filled with the Holy Spirit so that I'm not walking into a job just to get a paycheck and work through. I'm walking into a job and all of a sudden I'm saying, God, who do you want me to encourage today? God, who have I never taken interest in their spiritual life? God, what might you be saying today? Who's sick today that I might can pray for? And who knows, God, use me to do something miraculous. Because then look what happens. 
This is crazy. It says everyone likes this idea. That doesn't usually happen. And they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Time, and a lot of different people. And it says, so God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. And Stephen, watch this, a man full of God's grace and power performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. Hold on a second, Stephen? He's not a pastor. He's the waiter at Chipotle. I mean, we have a Stowe mission that a bunch of people go to on Thursdays. I just don't think we've ever said, okay, all right, are you signed up? Do you have your surf shirt? Yeah, okay. Um, are you registered on PCO? Amazing, that's awesome. By the way, you feel the Holy Spirit? Yeah, when was the last time? We don't do this, but this Stephen guy is going through Chipotle and all of a sudden he's praying for people that are sick and multiplying burrito bowls and people are taking note. And I'm not saying every day can look like that, but I'm saying, I just want you to hear this, Stephen, not a pastor, not a professional, pa- he is a normal everyday person who just said, I wonder what God could do with an ordinary person like me if I open my life to extraordinary power and open my eyes every day to what God could do. And that's when life gets exciting. But here's the disconnect, can I just be honest? I think back to Pastor Tim's analogy of the overflow, the Holy Spirit coming on us, remember that? And the Holy Spirit doesn't wanna just come in us, but he wants to fill us and overflow to where it touches people. But if I'm honest, many times my life does not feel like an overflow. Anybody else? If I'm really honest, sometimes my life doesn't even feel like it's in flow. <laughs> sometimes my life feels like I'm holding up the glass. I'm like, is there a drop? Like, is there a drop in the, in the jar? Maybe you feel like that day. Maybe you're just like, I just feel empty and dry, much less am I looking to go in and begin multiplying limbs in McDonald's. Sometimes my life doesn't look like an overflow. Sometimes, can I just be really honest, my life looks like a dam. I know everybody in the room knows what a dam is, but I I looked up the Google definition and here's what it says. A barrier that holds back water. And it's just a question. Is it possible sometimes in my life God longs to pour his power and love and presence through me into other people? But could it be that unknowingly, unintentionally, I've created a dam? inside my soul? Could it be possible I've created barriers that block the flow of what God wants to do in my life? And there's a number of things that could be spiritual dams in our life. I know this is kind of old school and simple, but I just gotta be honest, disobedience is a dam. In any area of my life, it could be purity, it could be in the area of substances, it could be in the area of um, generosity and finances, and it could be anything, but here's what I've noticed in my life, any area in which I'm not walking in God's ways and best, I cut off the flow to God's blessing. I, I know that's not exciting to consider, but there could be areas in which I'm praying a whole lot, but this area of my life is not surrendered, so it's restricting the flow of what God so longs to pour through my life. Can I tell you, this may sound odd, one of the things I've noticed over the years that is the biggest barrier in experiencing the presence of God at times is unforgiveness. Jesus one time told a story about, it's kind of an analogy, a parable of someone that was forgiven a great debt and then instead of being filled with mercy, went and found somebody who owed a little bit and choked them and demanded and 
What that person didn't realize is the unforgiveness they were holding in their hearts was actually the hands around their own throat, choking out the life of God that God longed to pour through them. Sometimes, can I be really honest? Sometimes our background can be a barrier. Hello, especially in this series, anybody like me? Sometimes disobedience is a dam. Other times a denomination can be a dam. Hello, I, the first time I walked into a church like this, I saw somebody raise their hand, I asked my buddy, I said, this is a really weird time for questions. <laughs> that is a really weird time for questions. What in the world is happening? And we pretend that we're, we're unbiased, but all of us, if we're not careful, can bring our own limiting lens to the way God works and moves. So it's just a question, could there be a dam inside of you, and then what do you do about it? When I gave my life to Jesus, I went to a church where they spoke a message kind of like Pastor Tim talks about, about that whole idea of God wanting to pour his spirit on you, that being filled, baptized with the Holy Spirit, and I didn't understand a lot of it. For a while, I kind of got discouraged, confused, and, but I was hungry for it. And I was a, kind of a weird, nerdy, analytical eighth grade kid that overcomplicated things, and I got kind of discouraged over not, you, you ever just really tried to feel something? You ever, you ever left a service and everybody said they felt the presence of God and you faked it? And you're like, oh, me too, man, it was thick. And you left, you're like, I didn't feel a thing. What is wrong with me? Am I the spawn of Satan? <laughs> no one, okay. So I, I felt that for like, I still feel that at times, but I felt that for like a year and I had this friend named Colt and I just happened to have, I'm fortunate for this, healthy, down-to-earth, humble friends who also were filled with the Spirit. I feel like that's a unicorn in the church world. Many times spirit-filled people are super weird people. But, but I, I have a desire, I wanna be a super normal person who lives a supernatural life. And my buddy Colt was like that. And I remember we were at this church service one night and was, I don't know if you've ever been in one like these. People are like all over praying, like on their knees going after God and I, I'm at the front and I pray kind of an immature prayer. I'm like, God, apparently Colt knows how to hear from you, but I do not. And apparently he's filled the spirit and I have no idea how to experience more of your spirit and I'm just really discouraged. So I'm just, since, since you don't talk to me, you're felt like, God, you always bless them. What about me? I was like, God, would you speak to Colt tonight and tell him everything that I'm thinking and going through just to let me know you're at least with me. He is on the opposite side of the room. An hour later, no joke, I'll never forget this. I get up, I look around for him. He, he stands up, he looks around, finds me. Weirdest expression comes over his face. We, we, we meet up and he says, hey, I need to talk to you for a minute. I was like, okay. He takes me into another room and he said, I don't know how to say this, but every time I began to pray for my own life, your stupid face <laughs> wouldn't leave my field of vision. I said, well, you're blessed, you know? And, and, I, and he, said, he, he said, and this may sound really weird, I'm not trying to, but I just felt like God told me to tell you that he knows you're discouraged about not experiencing more of a spirit, about not hearing his voice, and he wants you to know that this is going on in your life, and as you surrender more of this, you're gonna experience more and more of a spirit. I'm telling you, several things happened that moment. One, I, I know those moments don't happen all the time, but thank God for the moments that remind you how real God is, number one. Number two, even if I didn't know how everything was gonna play out, 
What a reminder that God saw me. And maybe if nothing else, wherever you're at in the room, whether you believe in God or not, online and in the room, can I just tell you, God sees right where you are. God knows exactly what you're going through. God knows everything about. You may be sitting here so discouraged today. Maybe you have a Sunday smile, but you cried yourself to sleep last night. Can I just tell you, God sees you. And number three, I, I realized the principle then. The more I surrender, the more I'll experience the spirit. Can I tell you this? Surrender is the hammer that shatters the dam. Surrender is the hammer. If you're taking notes, you can just write this down. Surrender destroys barriers. What area do I need to surrender today? What area of my life? Hey, maybe Sometimes for me it's the, the need to understand, the need to control. What area? I need to surrender. Other times, so I can be honest, sometimes I think there's a dam that's blocking the flow. Other times I think it's not a dam, but a Dead Sea. You've probably heard of the Dead Sea over in Israel, and uh, it's, a, it's a fascinating place. The Dead Sea is just a couple facts you don't care about. The lowest place, the lowest sea level on earth, and it's surrounded by mountains. And because of this, it has incredible nutrients in it. There was a season of life, maybe you remember this, where you couldn't walk down a mall without people grabbing you on the way and trying to rub Dead Sea salts all over your skin. Anybody remember this? Okay, maybe this was just in the South. I don't know. Maybe God spared you, but I was just like, I do not want mud on my arms as I walk to work. Um, uh, also, it's, it's, can I say this? The Dead Sea's fun. I, I had the chance to go back in 2017, me and my father, and you really do float in the Dead Sea. It is so filled with sodium. So fill with salt, you really do float on it. So the, there's some beautiful things about the Dead Sea. It's fascinating, it's beautiful. There's only one problem with the Dead Sea. It's dead. Which is weird, isn't it? Because it's surrounded by nutrients. It's surrounded by things that are great for it. And it actually has several inlets. Like, it's fed mainly by the Jordan in the north and then several other streams from the east. So there's all of this water coming into the Dead Sea. There's all this nutrients in it, and yet it's dead. Why? Because it's what's called an endorheic body of water. I looked that up before I came here, so I'd sound smart. It's <laughs> in other words, it's a closed loop, whereas most bodies of water, lakes, rivers, whatever, are open loop. The Dead Sea is closed loop. There's an inlet, but no outlet. And so the water isn't dynamic, it's stagnant. It's not living, it's dead. I think some of us have a problem where we're not receiving. We have a dam in our life. There's no time in God's word, there's no time in God's presence, there's, there's no, we don't prioritize the house of God, there's no receiving. I think others of us, the problem isn't that we're receiving, the problem isn't that there's no inlet, it's the problem is there's no outlet. Can I say this so gently? If, if you don't know Jesus or you're brand new here, amazing. But if you know Jesus and you've been coming for three years and you're physically able, but you only come and sit but never serve, there might come a moment where the waters of your spiritual life feel stagnant and you don't know why. I, I, I think the greatest threat to the enemy, and I, I want you to hear this, this is important, I think the greatest threat from the enemy to my life in this past season has been crumble cookies, <laughs> moving to canal. Because 
And don't you judge me, I, I door dash it straight to my house and eat every single one of them. And if you judge me, find another church, I do. I... But see, here's what happens. Someone's calling. But here's what happens. If I don't work out the next day, ugh, I mean, it's not good. Why? Because there's a problem when I become only to consume but never to contribute. When I consume a lot but don't expend a lot. See, God never called me to be a self-feeding. Is it possible sometimes the spiritual waters of my life are stagnant because I've become a closed-loop Christian? And I'm convinced, I'm guilty of this, I'm, th I'm throwing rocks at myself today. I think sometimes my problem is that my knowledge level exceeds my application level. My knowledge level exceeds my obedience level. And I'm convinced I just need 10 more really deep books to get a great revelation when the problem is not that I need more knowledge, I just need a couple ounces of action. I actually need to step out and watch God do something in my life. I actually need to be a, stop seeing a self-feeding body of water. And I think sometimes I keep begging Jesus to help me walk on water, and he's waiting on me to walk across the room and to actually have a conversation with someone and engage and take a risk. I, uh, I got back last night from a bachelor party. And you don't usually lead off with that as a pastor, but my best friend's getting married, and so I flew into Raleigh, and we went to Wilmington, and um, there, there's something about him that I forgot. He's also a pastor, and I haven't been around him in a while, and he does something that, that challenged me. Anywhere we went this week, I watched this. Anywhere we went, some of us would take orders, and you know, we'd do our thing, and then he'd always, and, and this guy's an, an introvert, by the way, quiet, reserved. I'd watch him sneak away to the person behind the hostess stand, or the restaurant, or the bar, and here's what he would do. He'd walk up to him and say, so, so how's your week been? How you feeling? How, how's, and I'd watch time after time after time again. People begin to pour out their lives. People begin to pour out. And I thought about all the miraculous things I've watched God do to this young man. And I thought to myself, could this be one of the reasons is that he actually chooses to step outside of himself and go towards humanity and take a risk? This may sound cliche, but can I say it this way? You bear the fruit of the Spirit by remaining in the vine, but you only experience the superpowers, the gifts of the Spirit, when you begin to step out on limbs. And I think some of us wonder why we don't hear the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to us, guiding us, and he's saying, I don't need to as long as you stay parked in the driveway. And again, this is me. Can I just be honest? The older I get sometimes, it's so easy for me to be just selfish, closed in on myself. I, I'm kind of extroverted, I love talking to people, but can I be honest, don't judge me, but you, you ever walk towards somewhere in public and someone walks towards you with um, talking energy? <laughs> yeah, and you're like, oh God, don't, no, no, don't. I feel, <laughs> this is therapy for some of you right now. I, I feel this sometimes when I get on planes. I'm on planes a lot, and I, I, I wish I could tell you, I just you know, talk to people every time, but I'll get on, and I'm as inaccessible as it gets. AirPods in, book on, hat up, hoodie up, like don't bother me. But I wanna get better at this. A year ago from right now, I was in 
Las Vegas. Y'all are just gonna think I'm the party pastor. Like I just, I, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a long story of why I was there. And don't you dare judge me. I went, one of those nights, I went uh, and saw David Copperfield. Pastor Zach may love Harry Potter, but I love me some card tricks. I do, I'm, I'm a nerd for card tricks. I love them. And that night, Uber driver picked me up to take me back to the hotel and I did the thing I would normally do, just stare out the window, you know, just enjoy me time. And uh, this young man, this young Vietnamese man had just moved from, L- from LA and started telling me about how he came to take care of his family. And I just kind of felt that weird nudge of the Holy Spirit. I need to just engage, Russ, just engage. And he begins talking to me and he says, uh, he says hey, so what do you do? Which I hate that question. Because people have either had bad church experiences or Christians get weird, you know. Oh, you're a Christian? Have you heard the new Mercy Me single? Oh, it's so wonderful. God bless, you know. I just, oh my God, you know. <laughs> so. And, um, but we start talking and he goes, oh, he's like, can you, he goes, you know, my family's just turned Catholic, but I'm from an Asian background. Starts telling me all these religions he'd been dabbling in. He goes, I'm kind of on a journey. Like, do you mind just sharing with me? Like, what made you get into this? What's your story of why you do this? I'm start looking around for cameras. Like, is this, how's this moment happen? And so I get to like explain Jesus to him and literally just tell him my whole story. And at the end of the car ride, he, he had a broken arm. He had not been able to move in five years. And at the end of the car ride, I led him to Jesus and healed his arm. Okay, those last two parts aren't real, but <laughs> don't, don't, you, don't, you, don't you wish every story like ended that way though, but, but that, that would have been awesome, right? Like, well, that's going in the next book, you know? It's just like, um, but I got to just, it was the most beautiful moment. And then that next week, so me and my dad flew, because my dad's a retired educator, and he finds these crazy deals, and, and, and we save up, and we get to travel. That next week, we're in Ireland, and me and my dad are at dinner with this Jewish couple, and this lady, my dad, you know, proud dad, he's like, you know, my son wrote a book. I'm like, dad, let's not do this. I feel, why, do, why, do I, why do I feel 12 right now? Like, all right, you know. And, and this Jewish lady, she goes, you know what? Like, I've always just wanted to ask, like, why is it that you actually believe Jesus is the Messiah? Why are you telling me these stories? Because I'm telling you, can I just tell you something? I love what we do here on Sundays. I don't just think it's important, I think it's essential. But can I tell you, those two conversations activated my faith last year more than any other moment. I'm just telling you, I want more of those moments. I want a faith that doesn't need more, here's how you, I know I'm maturing, when I don't need so many goosebumps on a Sunday, but I got grit on a Monday to walk over and engage with someone. I want more moments, it's so easy to get caught up in the emotion here, but I want more Wednesday night moments where I'm talking to real people with real issues and real life and watching God show up there. And that's, Of all the miracles in the New Testament, you know only like three of them happened inside a church? It happened when people like us, ordinary people, rose up in the power of the Holy Spirit to become a conduit of God's power in every room they walked into. And it takes awareness. I I was at, um, so I'm not good at this. Honestly, I'm not good at this. But I can tell you, in the moments that I've opened myself up to the possibility, at times amazing things have happened. 
I remember a time I was at the Cheesecake Factory. So that's always a glorious moment. And I was sitting across from this couple, didn't really know them that well, and I'm gonna be honest, I was tired, didn't really wanna be there, except for the Adam's Peanut Butter Cup Butterdribble Cheesecake. That was the only reason. And we're sitting across, and, but I, I just kinda felt that check. Russ, lean in, don't, don't, don't check out, lean in. And I kinda, here's a great question, by the way, practical question just to ask if you wanna start seeing God do this in life. God, who do you want me to encourage? Try that this week. Every room you walk into, God, who do you want me to encourage? What do you want me to say? How do you want me to encourage somebody? And so I, I, inwardly, I was like, Holy Spirit, is there something you want me to say? I wish I could say this happens all the time, but this couple sitting across me, I know the guy, I don't know the lady, but I felt prompted and I just, I asked the lady, I said, hey, like, I just, it may sound weird, but do you have a daughter? And it felt weird, because like, why wouldn't I ask them about their daughter instead of just her about her daughter? And she kind of like tilted her head and she looked at me and she goes, yeah, like I, I actually have a daughter, not with him, but from a previous marriage. And I've been worried about her all week long. He's, she's been heavy on my heart. How did you? And I, I responded the way anybody in that moment should respond. I said, because I'm a special and chosen prophet of the most high <laughs> God. And I've come to deliver a, I just said, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I said, it may sound strange, but I just kind of felt like God wanted you to know that he sees what you're worried about and he sees you. And I want you to know that he sees everything you're worried about with your daughter. You know, you know a really practical way to do this is to, I, I, I've followed Jesus long enough to where I've decided that if someone comes to my mind, instead of just thinking about it, I'm gonna text them. This is a really practical way. When people come to your mind, just text them. Don't be weird. Not an excuse to text your ex. But if it's appropriate, just text somebody and just be normal. Hey, I don't know why, I just felt like checking on you. How are you doing? I, I, it's amazing, now that I do this, how many people come back up to me? How did you know? How did you know to send the right thing at the right time? And all I know to say is God had you on his mind. Maybe, just maybe, there was someone thinking about you. And so sometimes we need to receive more, other times we need to apply more. Sometimes we need to be filled, other times we need to flow. So there's a third option. In the book of John, Jesus said this. It says, on the final and climactic day of the feast, this is John 7, Jesus took a stand. He cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Rivers, everybody say rivers. rivers. Come on, say it like you mean it. Rivers, rivers of living water will flow. There's a third option between a dam and a Dead Sea, and it is to be a Niagara Fall-fed, dynamic, raging rapids of water that pours in and pours out. Can I say it this way? You don't have to be a dam and you don't have to be dead, you can be dynamic. You can live a life like a river. And I just wanna give you three simple river prayers, maybe for the hyper-practical people in the room to begin to onboard. Can I give you a, like a 21-day challenge? You're like, that's just what I came for. It's more homework. But if you wanna make your life exciting, here's a 21-day challenge, really, really practical. Three guided prayers, three river prayers. Fill me, lead me, show me. Hey, in the morning, I don't wanna be a dam, so I'm gonna spend, I'm just gonna carve out some time. Lord, I need you to fill me this morning. 
Before I ever step out into the office, I need to fill myself with the word of God and with the spirit of God and with the presence of God and the love of God. Fill me today. I thank God for yesterday, but I need an anointing for today. I need God's power and presence on my life today. And then what if you did this? What if on the drive to your work, you prayed this prayer? Lord, lead me today. Don't just lead me away from temptation, but would you lead me into opportunities to speak the right word at the right moment? Would you lead me into divine moments? Would you lead me today? Lead me into moments with my coworkers. Lead me into moments to pour into my kids. Lead me into moments to see people. And then the third is show me. I think half the battle is to step outside of ourselves and say, God, show me the hurting people around me. I've been trying to do this again lately, and it hurts. Because the moment you step outside of your own selfishness, I'm talking to me, I begin to see the needs of people. And once you're open... It's game on. You don't have to be super spiritual. You don't have to know all the answers. You just have to see people. And then take a step to engage with people. You know, it's crazy. In Acts 6, we see Stephen, ordinary guy, TGI Friday's host. I don't know why I keep going to all these different restaurants. Ordinary guy filled with power. You know, there's another Stephen that when I think about this principle stands out to me. It's gonna sound like I go all these crazy places, but a, a place in 2018 my dad saved up for, we went to China. And the week in China was fascinating, weird, crazy. It was one of the craziest, most unique places. And I don't usually feel this, but there was something so different, so unlike home, that halfway through the week, I mean, I. I would pray, I'd read scripture, but I just started feeling dry, almost like, sounds really spiritual, but almost like an oppression, like I just, I don't know, I needed something. And I remember I prayed, maybe another selfish prayer. I said, God, would you just send me a gift this week, a a gift, let me experience something unusual. The last day, there's there's a guy that my father had always been friends with his dad from my parents' old church, named Stephen Weathers, I'd heard about him, never met him. And my dad said, hey, he's here. He might wanna meet us on the last night. We had flown from Beijing to Shanghai. And he says he might wanna meet us, it's the last night. And I don't know why, but it's another one of those weird moments. I just felt that nudge. I was like, dad, we don't need to wait on this. I think we're really supposed to meet with him. So we meet with this guy named Stephen Weathers. We get on this boat, we're, we're going down sh- the, like the, this like river cruise Shanghai. And all of a sudden, all of these girls start coming up and asking for pictures with us. And I kept thinking, man, I'm a pretty big deal in China. This is, this is awesome, this is great. I mean, you know. Until one of them asked me, he said, hey, can you move out of the way? I just, and I was like, wait, what? And I was like, that, that hurt, that stung, you know? So I get to talking to this guy named Steven Later on, by the way, I, I looked him up and um, I started coming, I started Googling him. He's listed in the top five most famous American celebrities in China. I started seeing pictures like this. That's me on the left. <laughs> or Chris Evans. And we keep going. I started seeing pictures like this of him and my girlfriend, Jessica Alba, from... <laughs> and I was like, what is happening right now? 
I started seeing other pictures. That is definitely not me on the left. And I was like, we ended up having the most life-giving time. And I'm like, bro, how did you get here? And he said, well, it's a long story. And he said, and we start talking about the church we we're raising where we never talked about the Holy Spirit, never talked about the voice of the Holy Spirit. And this is a very like, like very like, um, I don't know, how do you say it? Like logical, rational, not given to much emotion, just, and he said, Russ, I, this sounds so weird. He was like, I was reading in Ephesians one day in early college years, and for the first time ever, I didn't think this was allowed, I heard God speak to me. And I was like, well, what did he say? He said, I heard God speak to me and say, your dad's about to have cancer but I'm gonna heal him. Again, I know it doesn't always end this way, I know that. It's crazy because my dad's right there and my dad's like, oh, I remember this. I remember when your dad had cancer. And two weeks later, his mom had called and said, hey, your dad has cancer. But now he had this comfort, this assurance because God had spoke to him and he started thinking, what if there's more to the Christian life? And a couple years later, he went on a mission trip to China, and while he's there, someone, again, he'd never seen anything like the superpowers that Pastor Tim had talked about. And there was a guy that he actually respected that was balanced and humble who said, hey, I know this sounds odd, but I feel like God showed me that in 10 years, you're gonna be living in China and you're gonna be on TV and God's gonna use your influence for good. And he was like, bro, there's no way. I am never moving to China. Not gonna happen. And then sure enough, five years later, Someone offers him a teaching position in China. He moves to China, forgot all about this word of encouragement somebody had shared with him, begins teaching, begins learning Chinese, gets fluent, begins making teaching videos. Somehow the teaching videos go viral, so they call him and ask him to host the national travel show in China. And then before you know it, he's starring in movies, He's with Morgan Freeman. He's in all these places. And then someone asked him, hey, how would you like to help lead one of the churches underground in Shanghai? So here's this guy who after a few moments of hearing the voice of God ends up in China ends up on TV, is now leading a church in China, and he's telling me about how he had this encounter with the Holy Spirit. And I mean, we're sitting there, and we're going to restaurants, and uh, these chefs, they all notice who he is, and they're sending out meal after meal after meal. But he's sitting there, and he's crying, telling me about how his life has changed because he never knew there was more to Jesus than just going through motions. But he's actually learning how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And through tears, he's telling me how last week he got into a cab, and he had a certain amount of change in his pocket, and he felt like God told him to give it to the cab driver. And so he does and says, this may sound weird, but I just wanted to give you this little bit of change, this little bit of money in my pocket and just let you know that God loves you. God bless you. The cab driver starts weeping and says, my daughter has a procedure she needs done, but I don't have the money. And this is the exact amount of money that I need so my daughter can get help. What am I saying? I'm saying that if we want to step into a life that goes from mundane to miraculous, from a dam and a dead sea to dynamic, then we can step into a life 
formed and shaped by the voice of the Spirit of God. And when we do, oh, life takes on a purpose and a sense of excitement and a sense of meaning we never dreamed possible. I know some of these stories may sound crazy. You know what I've learned in following Jesus? Here's, here's what I've learned. When it comes to the Spirit of God, God wants us to remain hungry for more of Him, but never discouraged over what it looks like. He just wants us to pursue Him. And when we do, I think we experience the power of this verse in Romans 8, 15. It says this, the resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tendering life. It's adventurously expecting, greeting God with a childlike, what's next? And you stand to your feet. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I have a really, really simple question for you. What's God's Spirit speaking to you? What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now? It could be, let's be honest, for a lot of us, there is a dam in our life. And what, how exciting would it be if today the dam were shattered? How exciting would it be if today, just right where you are, you begin to pray, Lord, I surrender that, lot, that area. Lord, I give you that. Lord, I've been playing with compromise here. I, I, I've been trying to control the narrative here. I've been wrestling here. But today, I know it's a process. I trust you with that area. Hey, another area, maybe it's not that there's a dam. Maybe it's a dead sea. And you know for a dam to be shattered, what you need is surrender. But for a dead sea to become alive, all you need is the miracle emotion. God is just calling you to take a step. He's calling you to take a step and be baptized. Take a step and join a group. Take a step and serve. Take a step and begin to engage people in your office and life and work. Here's the question. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now? And with every head bowed and every eye closed, here's what I know some of you in the room, you're like, I don't know about all that craziness. I just know that something is burning inside of me. I can't even explain the emotion, but I think the Holy Spirit is making Jesus real to me for the first time. And today's the day I actually want to give my life to Jesus. No hesitation, Pastor you, would you raise your hand across the room? That's me, I wanna give my life to Jesus today. I see hands raised, anybody else? Today's the day, I don't know how to explain it, but I wanna give my life to Jesus. Would you pray? I see several hands. Would you pray this prayer with me? God, I come to you as I am with all of my sin and all of my brokenness. Jesus, I believe you are who you said you are. I believe you're the son of God, that you came for people like me. Jesus, would you send your spirit inside me? Would you make me new? Would you forgive me and make me whole? And I give my life to you. Just tell them, say, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my life in Jesus' name and amen and amen. Come on, let's celebrate. Come on, you can do better than that. Today's the best day in somebody's life. Thanks so much for tuning in to this message. I hope that it encouraged you and inspired your faith. If God is doing something in your life, would you take a moment and let us know? We wanna connect with you and we wanna be able to pray for you. All you have to do is shoot us an email to hello at the x.church or you can always send us a DM on one of our social media platforms. 
And if you know somebody that would also be encouraged by this very message, why not take a moment and just share it with them right now? And as always, I want to say thank you to every single person who so generously financially supports this ministry so we can continue to get messages like these out to people all over the world. We believe God is building something special and you're a significant part of it. Until next time, have a great day.